Good morning. Welcome to our services today. Welcome to the message that we have from God's Word. Once again, we are still continuing to broadcast over Facebook Live, as you can see. The uh, John Thompson Center and the Freedom of Friendship Home uh, hasn't reopened yet. So uh, I hope those men, women, and children are watching today. If not, maybe you've had an opportunity to go back to your full-time church and uh, maybe it's open and you're able to go sit down and, and enjoy uh, the preaching of the Word of God. And I certainly hope you're being blessed if that is where you're at today. There's still a great deal of concern going around our communities and around the nation today regarding the COVID-19 there have been many outbreaks because of the opening up of things. We want to remember to do our part to practice common sense protective measures. Allow distance. Uh, practice the social distancing, they call it. And if you feel at risk, wear a mask if it's not required in your area. There's just so many things that we can do to be responsible people. And that's what the Lord would have us to be, responsible, especially the church. We of all people need to be setting an example, not only during the COVID outbreak, but also during the civil unrest that's taking place. I'm not going to forward my opinions, not while bringing the Word of God. But I will say this, every human being is important to God. God does not recognize skin color. The soul has no race. We need to pray for God's will and justice to be done. We need to pray for an awakening across this land, a spiritual awakening. That's what it's going to take to make change. Violence, looting, burning, all of the destruction that's taking place in riots will only bring about more violence. It will not settle anything. Only Jesus will settle the heart of an individual. A heart that is corrupted by sin. A heart that is lost and seeking some type of answer. A heart that is hardened because of the cruelty of this world. Jesus is the answer. Jesus and only Jesus. And I say that to both groups that are involved in this. There is no room for it being politicized. There is no room for race baiters. There is no room for looting and rioting. There is no room for injustice. But there is always room for Jesus. And that's who we're here to talk about today. 
We're here to talk about Jesus. We're here to pray for all of the struggles that are going on in the lives of those watching, in the lives of those listening, in the lives of those struggling, in the lives of those wondering where God is. I want you to know He is available right now, right where you are, through Jesus. As we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I want to invite you to share your prayer requests over Facebook Live. I want to invite you to join us in worship. I want to invite you to be the witness and have the testimony that God has placed in your life. I want to invite you to come know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to come back to Jesus, the Jesus you may have wondered from, the Jesus you were introduced to as a child, the Jesus who died on Calvary's cross. As we begin our message today, let's remember all of these struggles, all of these problems. Let's not forget one another regardless of race, regardless of anything. Let's remember one another to love one another as God has loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and Lord God in heaven, I pray to you right now that you will touch hearts and lives. Lord, you would touch those who are watching this morning. Heavenly Father, you would touch those who are struggling today. Lord, I pray for those who are sick. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would move and touch hearts. Lord, I pray for a dose of common sense to move across this nation today. Heavenly Father, I pray that those the seeking violence today, that you would move in their hearts to stop it, to squelch it, to slow it down and to remove it from the face of this earth. Lord, I pray for justice in America once again. I pray for it to be met. I pray, Heavenly Father, for good, sensible, biblical, real justice in this country. And Heavenly Father, I pray and lift up all of those who are giving requests right now over Facebook. Lord, I pray that you would touch their lives and their hearts and their families. I pray that you would heal the sick. Lord, I believe you can and I know you will if they call upon you. Lord, I ask you to move in the hearts of the lost and to draw them to Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, you won't quit until they are come to you as your elect. Lord, I pray that those who you are seeking would find you soon. Lord, I pray for all today. I pray for our nation's leaders. I pray for those in law enforcement. I pray, Heavenly Father, for all of the first responders. I pray for the medical caregivers in the hospitals and the surgeons and the physicians, the scientists. Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart and their mind. 
And I pray that they would not turn from you, but they would turn to you for the right answers in the problems that we face today. Lord, I ask you to be with the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. May it accomplish that which you have purposed it to do. May it not return to you void. The Heavenly Father will be careful to praise, honor, and glorify you through the precious name of Jesus Christ. And all said, Amen and Amen. This morning, pardon me, this morning, we want to go back to the book of Mark. We want to go to verse number 9 in chapter 1. For the last couple of weeks, if you've been with us, we began a study of the book of Mark. We began going through it. We began looking at it. We first started with the person of Mark and who he is. We moved from that to the testimony that Mark had. And we moved into the opening of Mark's gospel. We opened it with realizing who Jesus as the Son of God was and who He still is and the power and the authority that He has. Then we moved into John the Baptist, His ministry, His message, and the purpose, the love, and the compassion that comes with that message. And now, this morning, we're going to look at the baptism of Jesus and the temptation of Jesus. Two things that are very necessary. And I realize we see the baptism of Jesus in God's Word, but I fear that we often gloss over it as we do the temptation of Jesus. We gloss over it moving to uh, moving to what we think is more dynamic ministry that the Lord engaged in. But I, there's some things that I want you to see this morning, some things that Mark reveals, some things that John the Baptist reveals, some things that Jesus reveals. So moving into verse 9, Mark chapter 1, And it came to pass in those days, that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. May God add blessings to the reading of his word this morning. When we open, we see that in those days, it came to pass. Jesus came. That's very important. You see, Jesus was foretold throughout Old Testament prophecy that He would come. That He would arrive. 
And he did. He did. You see, we all know the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus. But stop and think about this. Jesus could have came into this world in any way he chose to. He could have just arrived. He could have came in with a host of angels. He could have came in as a military leader. He could have came in as, uh, as anyone he wanted to be and in any form he wanted to show up and arrive in. But he chose to come in the image and the likeness of man. He chose to come as we are. He was born a natural birth through a mother that was fortunate enough to be a heavenly witness and have a heavenly purpose for doing so. He was raised a child and a toddler and a young man. He was taught and most of all, he was from heaven. So he had that double all man, all God personality. And now we come to his beginning of his ministry. John the Baptist, his forerunner has already announced him and John is there baptizing the baptism of repentance. And remember from our last message we covered the baptism of repentance. John did not baptize as we baptize today. See, we baptize, we baptize in the presence of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We baptize into the body of believers after salvation. John was baptizing unto repentance for the remission of sin. John was baptizing to show that people had repented. Repentance has never been lost in the salvation message. So, when we come to Jesus and John baptizing the baptism of repentance, why did Jesus get baptized? Did Jesus have to repent of anything? I say no, he didn't. Jesus had nothing to be baptized for. So why would Jesus go through the process of baptism. I want to share with you two things this morning. Two things that will point to the baptism of Jesus and how it should impact you and me and every person on the face of the earth. You see, you and I and these people in God's Word need repentance of sin. Jesus coming in our likeness wanted to be an example. Jesus wanted to be the example that we were to follow. So he got down into that river and he was baptized in order to show the strength, the power, and the purpose of repentance from sin. You see, we can go forward in an altar and we can cry alligator tears. 
We can go forward and we can have the best of intentions. We can go forward and we can make the greatest claims. But if we haven't repented, then we haven't done the first step. Our physical steps are only secondary to our spiritual steps. Our spiritual steps must come from a heart, and the first one must be repentance. We must follow what Jesus example. We must repent. We have to turn. Turn from our wickedness. And that may be a strong word for you to accept this morning. But understand this. In God's eyes, there are only two places that we stand. And we can call it righteousness and unrighteousness, or we can call it saved and lost. There's no in-between. There's no gray area that crosses over. We are in one or the other. So today, if we're talking about repentance, and we have never accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have never repented of our sins, that means we are still wandering in wickedness. We are still wandering in unrighteousness. We are still wandering in a lost condition. When we talk about turning, we're not talking about turning from a particular practice. We're talking about turning from a lifestyle. Turning from a lifestyle of sin and unrepentance, wickedness and unrighteousness, and turning to Jesus who can save us, who is and can impute righteousness, who can take us out of wickedness and put us in a state of eternal life. Yes, Jesus can, but only Jesus. When He was baptized, when He came, He came as an example for us to follow. Friend, if you have never repented, I want to stress to you right now the importance of repenting from your sin, from your wickedness, from your lost condition, from your unrighteousness, and turning to God and asking Jesus to move into your heart and life. See, it doesn't matter about a denomination. It doesn't matter about a doctrine. It doesn't matter about anything any preacher or pastor or anyone might say. What matters is the Word of God. What matters are the words that of life that are given to us, that are given to me to proclaim to you this morning life and life abundantly for those who will repent and receive. You see, if you repent, you stay there in that state and you call upon Jesus for the remission of sins so that they may be washed away. So that they may be washed away in His blood, remembered no more, and 
You are given a born-again condition, a new life in Christ. Oh, what a blessing it is to understand the repentance that John the Baptist preached and the repentance that Jesus exampled. But when we continue, when Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens open. And that word opened is very interesting. When we go to the Greek word that, that translates, it speaks of the heavens being torn apart being ripped apart. They were opened from heaven, pulled apart. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descended upon Jesus like a dove. When we're saved, that same Holy Spirit descends on us and takes up abode in our heart and life. That same Holy Spirit is present in my life today. And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is present in your life as well. What does that Holy Spirit do for us? It is there to reveal. The Holy Spirit is there as a revelator. The Holy Spirit reveals to us from the inside out what God desires in our life, what God expects from us in behavior, what God wants us to do and wants us to be as His witness and as His testimony, so as others will want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That Holy Spirit is our moral compass. It is our spiritual guide. It is the revelator that will open God's Word as we read it, as we absorb it, as we meditate. Has the Holy Spirit descended on you? Have you experienced the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life? If you've never been saved, you've never experienced it. You've never experienced that overwhelming dissension and moving and presence. It can't be described by words. You have to experience it. You have to experience it personally. Repent of your sin. Call upon Jesus for the remission of sin. And you will see and experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing that is. And then we see something about Jesus. In verse 11, there came from heaven, there came from heaven, not only did heaven open, 
Not only did the Holy Spirit descend, but there came a statement. Thou art my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father, in a moment of time, spoke in the presence of all. I'm not saying all heard him, but he spoke in the presence of all humanity. He testified personally to the sonship of Christ. And he testified personally of his pleasure in Jesus. If you've ever taken an expectation of Christ of anything other than the Son of God, this one verse should change your mind. This one verse should correct your thoughts. This one verse should make you say, and, real, and realistically say, that I was wrong. I made a mistake. When God Himself can speak from heaven, and say, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What would make you think there, should, there would be anything else? There are a lot of religions today who claim to be and claim to have a Son of God. They claim to have someone that... There are those out there who claim that Jesus and Satan were brothers. One rebelled against God and one did. There are religions out there that claim that there were other sons of God that came after Jesus. There are those out there that say that once uh, we become part of their religion, we become a son of God and we are allowed dominion over our own planets. But the Bible, God's Word says there's only one. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's only one Son of God and that's Jesus Christ. There is only one that we can repent to and that's Jesus Christ. There is only one that can remit our sins. That is Jesus Christ. There is only one with whom the Holy Spirit will occupy and indwell us. And that is Jesus Christ. It is the Son, the only Son, in whom God is well pleased. Lastly, this morning, we see what happened next. The Bible says, immediately, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Wilderness is a desolate place, a lonely place, a dangerous place. But yet, that's where the Holy Spirit took Jesus to. When we have the Holy Spirit and we 
have the Holy Spirit move in our lives. The Holy Spirit directs us into work of God and to do the business of God. We don't decide where that work is. God moves us where He wants us for His purpose. Jesus was there in the wilderness for God's purpose. To accomplish His will. Again, it was for another testimony, for another example. Because, you see, we will often get it in our head that through the protection and the sanctuary of church and the peace and the love that's there, that when God calls us into a ministry and into a work, that it's always going to be uh, beautiful flowers and, and, and hymns and, and air conditioning and songs and, and all kinds of bliss. But that's not necessarily true. Often when God calls us, He puts us in a wilderness. He puts us in a wilderness for His will to make an impact, to be an example, to be an influence. Are you prepared to enter that wilderness today? Christian, are you prepared to enter that wilderness? Are you prepared to go where and be everything that God wants? Because look at what the Spirit led Jesus to. Verse 13, And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with wild beasts, and the angels minister to him. For 40 days, and when we go and we study that out, we know that Jesus, the only food he got and water he got was what the angels brought him. We know that he was among wild beasts, which is a description more than a specific that talks about the dangers and the perils that was there. Jesus was there as both fully man and fully God. He suffered. He felt the heat. He had the temptation. I want to share with you something. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched, the high priest being Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You see, when Jesus was in this predicament, He was experiencing everything that we experience in life. He was experiencing the temptations of power and authority. He was experiencing the lust of the world. He was experiencing everything that we could experience in our entire life. Yet He passed and He didn't sin. It affirms to us that Jesus is who God's Word testifies He is. He is God's only begotten Son. He is. He is the one in whom God is well pleased. He is my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He survived that temptation 
He is the one who can help me survive these temptations. He is the one that can help you survive these temptations. Friends, don't give up on Jesus. Society may be crumbling around us. Sickness and disease may be rampant among us. But God's still on the throne. Jesus is still a Redeemer. The Holy Spirit is still available to descend in your heart. But you have to repent. You have to call upon Him. There's no reason for you not to repent. There's no reason for you not to call upon Jesus. There's no temptation that can overcome it. It's already been defeated. There's no lust that can be greater than the, than the soul-saving power and the influence of the Holy Spirit moving us to Jesus. There is nothing like it. Nothing like it. Without any further moving, without any further preaching or speaking, will you call on Jesus today? Will you repent and turn to Him? Call upon Him to be your Redeemer. And let heaven come down upon you. That's what God wants. And oh, what a blessing it is. You will never regret it if you will trust Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Heavenly Father, I pray that it touches hearts. I pray that it saves souls today. Lord, I pray that it turns the backslidden back to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you move in hearts and lives. And I pray that there is a great awakening that goes across this land. I pray that the forces of hell would be repelled. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that peace would reign among people. I pray that those would be saved. Heavenly Father, I await for your return in the rapture of the clouds. And until that moment, I pray that you would have your will and your way among the souls of your creation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching and listening today. Remember our Wednesday night services. God bless you is my prayer.